Hello, and welcome to the Let's Talk Fucking Cancer podcast. We are your support, so let's talk fucking cancer. Welcome to the studio and to our first official episode of Let's Talk Fucking Cancer. Hello. I am here with my co-host, Colette. And our fabulous producer, Julia. Hello, hello. So we're this is our first spotlight series, or our first spotlight episode. I'm and nervous. It's on me. <laughs> you, you kind of buried the lead there. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Leave so, it to me. The, no. <laughs> we're in the surprise. We've been talking about this so long, and we're we're just so excited about this. So I know. Excited. So excited. So I'm really excited to share or let Colette share with you guys her story because. Her, your story has had such an impact on me. And I don't know if you know that. I mean, I, I think I've shared that, but I don't know. Your your story really impacted me in a way that um, when I had the opportunity to work in the oncology field and help cancer patients, knowing what you had gone through and then having friends diagnosed right. after that, right. it just, there was a need. Yeah. And I was like, I can't stand by and just let this happen. Oh, I so, love it. Um, so I promised listeners on our intro episode. Yes, you did. That they were going to get to hear your story. Yes, they will. So I think I kind of teased your story a lot. <laughs> so um, why don't you go ahead and start by just introduce us to who you were prior to right. your cancer okay. diagnosis. Okay. I was. <laughs> um, I had four beautiful daughters. Not my fifth. We'll get there. But I had four beautiful daughters and um, just kind of living life, having a good time, doing things. And my husband wanted a fifth baby. And I said, absolutely not. I'm not down. We're not there. It's not happening. And um, can we go back a little bit, though? So I, I, I know that you were a nurse for 12 years. Yes. But can we talk about your training before that? Oh, my training before that. Yes. So I was in the military. I was a military police. I was a um, Air Force cop. And oh God, I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. I wish at the time I could have stayed in at the time I was pregnant with my twin daughters, which Julia, our producer, is one of them. So <laughs> hello, Julia. Hello. Um, so I was pregnant with my twins and um, the way the military works, I could get out. My husband could not because he was a man. I was a woman. So I got out of the military, had my beautiful daughters and went to nursing school. Excellent. Yeah. Well, thank you for your service. Oh, we appreciate it. We're so thankful for that. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, um, so back to, so you had four children, four children at Your the time. Your husband wanted a fifth. My husband wanted a fifth. Oh, what in the I world? I remember those conversations. <laughs> they were something, weren't they? Oh. I don't want to be drunk on my four, or I, no, I want to be drunk on my 40th I birthday. I want to be drunk on my 40th birthday. I am pregnant on my 40th birthday. <laughs> and little did I know, soon after I was pregnant. But yeah, so um, I was 40 years old. He wanted a fifth baby. And I finally gave in and said, okay, let's do it. And if it wasn't for that sweet little angel baby, I don't know that I'd be here today. 
So this is kind of where the story, this part of the story is what really um, impacts me. And it's hard for me to talk about without getting emotional. So I hope we can talk. Of course. I hope we can get through this. There might be some tears in this Um, podcast. We promise we won't (laughs) cry every episode, guys. Um, So can you tell us, tell us about that? Okay. So I was 40 years old. I had just had my last baby. And um, I was about two months postpartum and I had a lump in my breast, which I thought was just a clogged milk duct or mastitis, anything like that. No big deal. I'm going to go get some antibiotics and be done. Um, I called my um, OBGYN, which her nurse answered, which happened to be a friend of mine at the time. And she said, I don't like it. It doesn't sound good. And I said, well, you're crazy. It's just a clogged milk duct. No big deal. And so um, she said, no. And I don't I don't know what it was. I don't know why at that time. She just said, no, I don't feel good about this. And she sent me for an ultrasound that day. So um, I went to an ultrasound that day. I thought they were absolutely crazy. I thought there was nothing to be worried about. And um, got the ultrasound done and they looked at me funny (laughs) and they just, it was a bad feeling all overall. And I just knew something was up. They got the doctor, they came and talked to me, they did some mammograms in between. And all within that one day, I got all the looks from all the people going, oh, I'm so sorry. But nobody would say what it was, Yeah. but I just kind of knew. And they said, can you come in tomorrow for a um, biopsy? Yeah. So there I was getting a biopsy the next day. And so that was Tuesday was my um, ultrasound and mammograms. Wednesday was my biopsy. And Thursday, December 1st of 2016, 2016, my gosh, you never um, forget those dates until you're six years out. I remember we were freshmen in college. We had just graduated. You had had Charlie and we were in college our first year. And I remember, I think you were coming home from work first. Yes. And Tony had not come home yet. Yes. That's my other daughter, her twin. Her twin sister. Her Mm -hmm. twin sister. And um, I think I told Julia first, didn't I? I think I left work early. Yeah. Because... And to give a little a little bit of my backstory with this, uh, we didn't know you went in for your no, um, they had no idea, and you didn't say anything to us until that night. And you said they want to do a biopsy tomorrow. We're pretty sure we know what it is. And so the next day, I was at work, and I said, "I'm I'm leaving. Yeah. I need to go home." Yeah. Um, I don't know where Tony was. She must. She so, may have been at school or maybe work. School. Yeah, yeah, because at the time the girls were still in school, and so I um we waited all day. I knew my doctor would call me first thing in the morning because we're friends, right? I'm a nurse. She's a doctor. We work in the same hospital. No. She waited till the last last thing she had to do that day. And she told me, she said, I have been putting this off all day because I have been dreading making this phone call. And I was like, great. I have cancer. <laughs> I just knew it. So I, um, I ended up being diagnosed with triple negative breast cancer, completely hormone unrelated breast cancer. And everyone because I was 40, said, oh, it's because you had a baby at such a late age and blah, 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 that pain planned into the hormones and the breast cancer, which it did not because my my cancer was not hormone related. But thankful for that little baby had I not had her, which I was completely against for the longest time. <laughs> but I had that beautiful little angel baby. And because of the milk in my breast at the time, it pushed my lump out. It was behind my um, implant. 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I had breast implants prior and it was behind my implant. And had I not filled up with milk, it would not have popped out. So that's how we found it. Oh my gosh. Right. Wow. Crazy. Crazy. So um, having a brand new baby at home. Oh my gosh. And getting this <laughs> diagnosis. What did that do to your mental state? Like, how did you handle that? <sighs> okay. So I remember the first day vividly. The first day we waited all day. It was my girl, all my girls, my husband, um, one of my best friends, Terry, we were all sitting here just waiting, waiting, waiting for the call. And I was like, as the day goes on, it can't be a big deal. They wouldn't wait all day to couldn't give me bad information, right? Well, no, they did. <laughs> so my um, doctor calls and she gives me the news and I literally got off the phone and I remember talking to everyone being like, it's okay. I'm going to be fine. It's not a big deal. Da, 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 blah, blah, blah. I talked to my mom. I talked to my brother. I talked to my dad. I talked to obviously my kids and my husband. And I went into this like superhero mode without even knowing it. Mm -hmm. It was just like, it's fine. We'll get over. We'll get through this somehow, some way. We're going to do this. And we did as a family. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, you talked about you and your husband both being in the healthcare field. Mm -hmm. Right. And even with the support that you had, right. you still felt that there were these gaps. Yes. And which led you to lead to, to start ways. Right. Right. And what's cra just crazy to me is we're sitting here, you know, thank God this is six years later right. and you are still cancer free. Mm -hmm. Um but the people that don't have the resources right. that you have and the exactly. people that don't have the support group that you have. Exactly. Um, and not to take anything away from your story. Absolutely. Absolutely. But one of the reasons we're doing this podcast mm -hmm. is if anybody can hear a piece of this and relate or right. have it help them in their own journey. Right. Because we do understand the gaps that are there. We do. We do understand the gaps. And that's the biggest thing is going through this journey and as life altering as it was, being able to find some kind of reason for it. Mm -hmm. And that's my, that's just my journey. I'm not saying that's everyone's cancer journey. That's my cancer journey. Just finding a reason for it, finding an outlet for it, finding a way to give back is how... I feel like we're going to continue to do better in this cancer journey. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of one of the things that led me here too is I I work in the cancer field. Right. You see it all the time. Well, not only that, but my livelihood right. is dependent on that. Right. And I want... I don't just want to take from this space. Sure, sure. I want to give back to this space. Yeah. Because the reason that I even got into this was just being afraid. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, my grandmother was diagnosed by the time she was finally diagnosed with cancer. She had stage four endometrial cancer. Oh, no. So we basically just had to, you know, right. make her last days comfortable. comfortable. Right. And I don't want to be at that point in my life. Right. I, I want to be educated. I want right. to know. And right. if I do ever get that diagnosis, I know that I am in the best place because I have the right. best support system. I'm supported by the best people. Right, right. And that's what Waze wants to be to people. Waze wants to be there when you don't have any, or even if you do have people, we want to be there for you. We just want to take that burden off your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. It's, because it's what people did for us 
in the middle of my cancer journey. We kind of are plugging in things where that's what people did for us. When my husband, he would work all night. He's an amazing, the most amazing man and just works all night and would come home and take me to radiation, take me to chemotherapy. He would do the things where I had family and friends going, hey, let him sleep. I'll take you. I'll take you. Even though he never took them up on that, (laughs) I could have. There's other people who don't have transportation, who don't have someone to one person, let alone a couple people saying, hey, let me take you, you know, or, you know, meals. Mm -hmm. Who's going to cook for you? You surely don't feel up to it. You definitely don't feel up to it. You don't want to go grocery shopping. I don't think I grocery shopped in like six months when I was going through it. I was terrified to go out. And also just your ball. You lose your hair, you lose your eyebrows, you lose, you know, you kind of lose your oomph. And I just definitely, there were so many things playing into me not leaving this house, especially without a support system. So we want to be there for those people who we can help out. And even if you have a strong support system, we can just take some of the pressure off your shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. And if nothing, if to give you the confidence to go grocery shopping. Sure. Without your hair, without your hair and eyebrows. Sure. I remember the first time <laughs> I went. That's not what makes you you. No, that's it's... not you. That's not where your value lies. Right. That's. But I understand that it do, it's such a it part does. of your identity. It is. And when I remember the first time I went out grocery shopping after um, chemo and radiation, I was still bald and I was wearing a handkerchief. Or uh, handkerchief. What's it called? Bandana. A bandana. Yes. Sorry. I. <laughs> A bandana on my head. Um, that was my go-to was a bandana. I had my bandana on and I was like, okay, I'm going to Rayleigh's. Whew, and it was a big deal. It was a really big deal. And Tay was like so proud of me for going. And I grocery shop all the time. Come on. I've done it. I'm a 47-year-old woman. I have grocery shopped a million times. But that period of time, it was a really big deal. And he put a post out to all of our friends and family that was like, hey, she went grocery shopping today. And it's just being able to build back that confidence in the cancer survivor or the cancer thriver and just building that confidence back up to just go out in public and do your normal life and be able to maybe find some joy in that. Yeah. Yeah. And if that's not your journey and you're not there, that's okay. That's okay. Absolutely We are not saying that this has to be your journey. And if you don't feel like finding joy today, that's okay. okay. Absolutely. Please don't think that we're saying that you have to be. No. We are not about toxic positivity here. No, absolutely not. (laughs) We're about reality. We're about today. We're We're real people telling our real stories. Real stories. Real life. And we might not always get it right, but we'll try. (laughs) We'll try. We'll try really hard. We're going to really try, guys. (laughs) I think a lot can be said, too, about um, um, acknowledging your Mm -hmm. fear and your sadness and your anger in the midst of it instead of um, what I think you had done for a while, which Mm -hmm. was going to survivor (laughs) mode um, and really um, kind of supporting all of us yes while we were dealing with our fears making sure that everybody was okay okay. yes absolutely Mm -hmm. and that's a big thing i will talk about this in a later episode for sure mental health but i will be a thousand percent open and honest i did not take care of my mental health i would rather take care of my clients mental health and make sure they were on the right, right track and i felt like i was doing were you hiding yeah Absolutely. And I just was pushing myself into the world of let me help them 
that will make me better. And I literally didn't start counseling till not, it's been less than one year ago. I started one year ago and I'm six years cancer free. And so I just started therapy. Okay, this is honestly news to me. (laughs) I know I saw the look on Leah's face when I said that. (laughs) We have our own therapist and I (laughs) just started therapy. And it's because I know it's everybody's own journey. (laughs) But yeah, I was the worst. I was the worst because I thought I was doing the work that would make me happy, which it does make me happy, but I wasn't mentally clear. (laughs) So it took... I think you set me up with a therapist before you... (laughs) You were even done with treatment. I'm good at that. I'm good at that. I will totally help you. Have you heard of the oxygen mask? (laughs) What's allegory? Put your oxygen mask Mm -hmm. on first before you put it on. No, I'm the worst. I'm the worst, but and you tried to save everyone else yes. before you saved yourself. Yeah. But I finally got there. Good. And it's been fantastic. We actually, I made a joke to my therapist the other day that I was on my way to graduation. She said, I don't know if you're going to graduate, but you'll always be able to call me. <laughs> so, you know, but it's so important. And I know that when, when you get there, you'll get there. And I know, you know what I mean? When it comes to mental health and therapy, I push it like it's nobody's business. I'm like, come on, you got to go. It'll help you so much. But it took a long time for me to take my own advice. But here we are. And I'm a year in almost. almost You know what? You're here. It doesn't matter how you got here, how long it took you to get here. You're here. Right. And that's what matters. So here we are. Because it is. It is truly your own unique journey. Right. And you have to be ready to do the work. Otherwise, you're going to waste your time. Right. Waste the time of your therapist. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, but, but it's hard and that's yeah. scary. It's really hard. And I definitely feel like I hit a rock bottom at the last bit of last year. I I was mentally just gone. I was not okay. I was struggling so much. And but let's also like, can I, yeah. can I give some context yes, to this? Absolutely. You had gone back to work. Yeah. You were running the organization yeah. while working full time mm-hmm. while raising three children and supporting two ad- adults. I don't mean supporting, but like being oh, supporting in the way that you'd be I'm, absolutely I'm a, I'm supported. A nice mom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very um, generous mom. No, but I meant like I mean, yeah, a very supportive, very present, yeah, parent. place. Yeah, um, and so I was and also. Honestly, Coming up on my five-year anniversary, I have to admit, it was terrifying, absolutely terrifying because you hear the stories that, oh, you're five years, we let go of you now. You're go- you're gone. We're we're done with you. And I wanted no one to be done with me. I wanted them to continue to look over me forever. And so when I went to my doctor, I had worked myself up for like the better half of the year. And I was like, I'm terrified. You're not going to see me anymore. And she said, What are you talking about? I'm see- going to see you next year. We're just on yearly visits now. And I was like, Okay, I'm good now. She'll see me this year. Now this year, I'm not so scared. Yeah. You know, but it was getting let go of from your care team who has been with you since the beginning of your diagnosis. That was terrifying. Yeah. I mean, I have friends who I have two friends that I'm thinking of at the moment that work in oncology and are also breast cancer survivors. Wow. And they still live with the anxiety Mm -hmm. every day of, is it going to come back? back? Mm -hmm. 
And that is something that we'll definitely get digged way deeper into because it's one of the very first things I learned of in my support group that the feeling of feeling lost and forgotten and just pushed aside at the end of treatment is real. Everyone says, you're done. You should be happy, blah, blah, blah. It's not real. It's it's terrifying. It's literally terrifying. You are just so, you don't know how to go on. How do, how do I go on now? Like I just went through, I was this normal person for 40 years. And then for the last year, I've been this whole new person. And how do I now pick up like I didn't go through this? Well, you don't. You don't. And you just learn how to live again. And that's kind of what we did. Do you yeah. think it has um, that that fear of um, your care team letting go? Do you feel like it's a it's a pressure? Do you did you feel a pressure mm-hmm. to go back to your your quote unquote normal self yes. and go back to oh, that's doing a great point. all of yeah. the things that you had done before plus more? Because absolutely. at this point you had you had the gone back to work and, and the nonprofit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you are no longer sick. And so you are expected just to carry on and to move on. And I did. And it was fine. And I went back into a job that I was comfortable in. I knew what I was doing. It was no, it was no big stress per se. There's different stressors within the workplace, but the job itself was fine. It was, I was not mentally okay to be caring for that type of patient. Um, I needed I needed something more substantial. I needed something that really fed my soul and felt good inside. And the work I was doing, although a, a nurse nurses are fantastic, they're amazing. I love nurses, but I needed to focus back on ways. It's where my heart and soul lies. It's where my everything is now after cancer. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that yeah, with course, us. Of course, of um, course. Do you want to circle back maybe to, um, so you were diagnosed. Yes. Um, we talked about your triple negative breast yes. cancer mm-hmm. diagnosis. Yes. What does the treatment look like for that? Is there so, a standard? Yes. Okay. So for most, and I am not the medical professional, I am a cancer survivor thriver. That's all I am. I'm talking from what I know. Um, the typical standard is a series of three chemotherapies. Now, there are different types of breast cancer. So Can you, you start, what stage were you at when you were diagnosed? Oh, yes. I was a stage 2B. Okay. So what that means is my tumor, the reason I was a 2B is because my tumor was large, very large. It was almost nine centimeters. So my tumor was very large, but the very tips of it were the only ends that were invasive. Mm. So the majority of that tumor was not invasive. So the ends were invasive, um, so which made it a stage two because of the size and a two B because it was a little bit invasive. Had it been a stage three, it would have been because it was more invasive than that. So I was lucky. I had a large tumor, small invasiveness. So that's where I was. I feel that I was very lucky. Um, With that diagnosis, there's a very standard um, breast cancer treatment, chemotherapy treatment. It usually starts with, um, they call it the red devil. It's called adriamycin. And that's where you lose your hair. 
And that's the one, not all cancers and chemotherapies, you lose your hair. But with that one, you do for sure. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You're going to lose your hair. Cold cap or not, you're going to lose most your hair. Um, I did not do a cold cap. I just went ahead and shaved my head bald. We had Did you a, start with that one, though? I thought you started with a different. We started with adriamycin, okay. adriamycin, and then we went on to taxol and cytotoxin. Oh, actually, you're right. I think the taxol is We the... started with adriamycin and cytotoxin first, mm-hmm. and then taxol was my last. Well, there was another one, too. But we So we started with adriamycin and cytotoxin first, and the adriamycin is the one that you do lose your hair. Okay. And so... And these are all in infusion therapies. Infusion therapies. Okay. Yes. So I went ahead and started with that. And as we were doing that, I was doing research because I'm a nerd. I'm a nurse. I am going to be sure I'm read up on all the things before I go into my next appointment. And I had read about carboplatin. Carboplatin is typically used for lung cancers. And there may be other uses. That's the one I know of. But um, I heard that it had really great success stories with triple negative breast cancer. So the thing with triple negative breast cancer is triple negative is not hormone receptive and breast cancers typically are hormone driven. So having said that, when you go through your breast cancer treatment, you usually go on hormone therapy afterwards. We cannot. There's no reason to because it has nothing to do with our hormones. So we have nothing after chemo to go off of. So we're just praying hard that that chemotherapy works the best it can. So I did my adriamycin and cytotoxin. I think that was every other week for a couple months. And then I never thought I'd forget these these details. Isn't it crazy? I just never, ever thought. And now as the years go on, I'm like, wow. So did that for a couple months and lost my hair within the first two weeks. And then um, I had bought my little girls, my big girls, Julia and Tony. They were obviously old enough to understand the whole process. My little girls were really little at the time. So I bought them a book called Nowhere Hair. And it was about a mom who went through cancer and chemotherapy and lost her hair. And so it talked them through that whole story. So they were expecting me to lose my hair. And um, went ahead and did that. They did fantastic with it. They were amazing. Everyone made me feel so lovely. And every time I looked in the mirror, I did not feel that lovely, but (laughs) my family was awesome about that. We did. Do you want to talk about the shave party? Yes, the shave party. That was, it was a fun day. It was a weird day. It was sad, but it was super, um, uplifting too. It was so strange. It was like the mix of emotions. We had all of our family here. My mom and stepfather were not able to be here. They were sick that day. But my father, my bonus mom, my best friend, my sister-in-law, my brother, everyone was here. And um, lucky guys, they're already bald except my father. (laughs) (laughs) And my father is the most amazing man. He's quite vain. He's got a good head of hair. He's got a good head of hair. He does. He has a great head of hair. And he told me he would shave his head with me. And he told me also we were going to be the ugliest bald people ever. (laughs) And when we were done, he said, damn, we look good. No, he said, damn, we look good. And I said, yes, we do, Dad, although I didn't think I did. But (laughs) so we did the shave party. Um, My kids cut my hair into a bob. They cut different lengths. They did a mohawk. They did all the oh things. Oh, my gosh. How fun. Yeah. And we have all the pictures. We can post them one day online if we want. Um, yeah. We have all the poster or the pictures. And then we shaved it fully. Mm-hmm. And crazy thing, and we'll talk about this more in tips and tricks, but when you shave your head for chemo, that's not the last hair you're going to lose. 
So you shave your head and then what's left, the stubbles, Mm -hmm. it ends up falling out later and it's so sore and it's so tender. And those little teeny hairs just like plop out eventually. And it's just so uncomfortable. But I was lucky. I had someone who told me what to expect during the experience. Someone at Wigs Are You in Roseville, California. She's amazing. Her name is Jennifer. We're not sponsored by them. But she's fantastic. She told me what to expect. She's a cancer survivor herself. So we kind of planned it around what she said. She said, shave it, get it off, and then get your wigs on, which wigs are like a bra. You (laughs) like to put them on to look pretty. But you can't, can't wait, wait to, to get, get them off. off. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst. And I forget, did we go get, we went and picked out a, a, wig, a, a first. wig for you um, and a few like hats and scarves, yes. I think. Did we do that at, uh, before or after? Before. Okay. So we, I still had my hair and we, um, my mom, most amazing woman, she came and said, come on, honey, let's go to a wig shop. And we went to a medical wig shop. So that's Wigs Are You. We went to them. They deal with um, cancer, alopecia. They're very, it's very much a medical wig type place. And we went in. She said, honey, you're going to be fine. And she was at the time three years. And so now I'm six years. So she's probably nine nine years. And she said, you're going to be fine. You're going to beat this. And we talked and she said she would shake my head if she wanted, if I wanted her to, but I told her we'd do a party here. And then um, she fitted me for my first wig and it was fantastic. It was wonderful. It was beautiful. I've donated that wig back out now. So somebody else is wearing my beautiful wig. (laughs) Thank you for passing that along. Yes, of course. Course. So what um and so you said it was a couple weeks. So when you were done with chemo, Mm -hmm. what did life look after? Like you said, your care team is just like, okay, you're done. Here you go. Well, so after chemo, um, we chemo was from December to March. March, I think, of 2017. Yeah. Yeah. So it was until March, and then I had um, surgery in May. My tumor was still there. So it shrunk my tumor. My tumor was almost gone, but I still had a tumor inside me. And the reason they kept the tumor in the whole time, they needed to see how the chemo was going to work on the tumor. So it did a great job on it. There was still some in there, but we were definitely very hopeful because of how well the chemo did. So they went in for surgery on May 24th of 2016. 17. 17. I keep saying 16. Yeah, 2017. And I used to know all these days. I know. I know. <laughs> the longer you get away from your date, it's so crazy. I never thought I'd forget any of these details. Um, but, but I think that's a sign of healing. I do too. Mm-hmm. I really do too. And I never realized how hard I clung on to those dates. And now as time goes by, I think there were like little milestones for you. You'd definitely. say like, you know, Two years ago today uh, was the end of chemo. Absolutely. Three years ago today was the end of radiation. Right. Where now it's not such a forethought. It's very much like a, oh, yeah, this was my, you know, so I just celebrated my sixth chemo anniversary, you know. So it's like very nice. And my sixth all done anniversary is coming up in August. So it's 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 interesting. It's a very strange journey. But um, we definitely I um. Went through chemo and then I had surgery May 24th, recovered from that and started radiation right after. Went through several months of radiation and finished in August of 2017. 
Nice. Yeah. And can you remind us, did you have a lumpectomy or a double mastectomy? I or- had it. I had a double mastectomy, right. which uh, they suggested only a single. They said a double would not make a difference. And it was my choice. My body, my choice. <laughs> and I definitely, yes, yes. I definitely said, take them both. I don't care about them. I don't need them. I had them reconstructed. If you do, if you don't, it's your choice. I had them immediately reconstructed and it is what it is. They're not beautiful, but they're here. <laughs> And I'm alive. And I remember you talking about it, too, and, and saying, you know, even you weren't even sure if you wanted them to reconstruct them. Right. You, you had looked at Being other flat. stories where mm-hmm. people had, had even done tattoos around mm-hmm. their scars to mm-hmm. to sort of, you know, make yeah, absolutely. a beautiful thing out yeah. of something that was And we hard. have yeah. a friend that chose to stay flat, and she mm-hmm. is fantastic. Like, it's amazing. And it's definitely a choice for each individual and what you want in your life. And I... I don't know. I just had I had implants prior. So I was like, yeah, go ahead and, you know, clean me out and put new ones in. And, you know, and it's definitely not that easy. And it's not as the outcome is not (laughs) always what you expect. But we got we got what we got. And I'm here today. Yeah. Yeah. So you taught you've talked about your um, support group. Yes. So how did you find your support group? Man, so my support group. Okay. I went into the first wig shop, Wigs Are You, and she actually was hosting her own support group at the time. So because of that, she gave me a little card and said, hey, come join us sometime. And I said, uh, nope. <laughs> and it took me a good, I, if you are catching on to the process here, it takes me a time to... <laughs> Deal with she's got to be ready to do it when she's ready, and no one can tell her <laughs> different. Yes. I, I was going to say it has to be my idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. I just, you know, I um, knew I needed to go. I knew I needed support. I was probably, probably driving my cra- family crazy. I don't know. They they won't say it because how could you tell a cancer person that they're just, I, just give me a wink? Yeah. <laughs> I think if I'm if I'm speaking completely <laughs> honestly, I think we had already lost it and yeah. we were not in a place we could f- support you in ways, but I think we ended up all kind of dealing with things mm-hmm. separately. Definitely. And I think you really needed a space not around your right. kids or husband where you could talk We're, about things that you didn't want to talk yes, to us about. And I could talk freely and not try and protect you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're very Because that's one of the, I mean in your position, you are still a wife, a mother, yes. a nurse, a caregiver, all right. of these things. But in that moment, you just needed to be Colette, yeah. who was fighting cancer right. and just needed somewhere right. to let it off your let chest. Let it all out. Yeah. And I definitely would never have put the burdens of what I was saying on my family. So I, I did it in a support group. And thank God for those ladies. This group was the turning point i really want to say in my cancer journey uh, at what point did you end up um deciding to go to the support group how long okay. did, was that so i was still in chemo so i know okay. that so okay. it was a, within the first three months and crazy thing a friend of mine from the nursing world got diagnosed with cancer right before me she i was i want to say maybe two months prior to me and her journey was kind of taking a slow start so by the time i started she was we were kind of on the same track and we both we had reached out to one another on facebook and you know was keeping in touch with each other and just checking in and we both said okay 
we need to go to the support group. So we agreed to not back out and go together. And we did. And it was life changing for both of us. It really was. And it's so funny how one step, just one small action can start a ripple effect. And now here we are. Absolutely. Right. And it's like this crazy, horrific journey turned into this beautiful dream. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. Yeah. yeah. And it the- sucks to I mean that the, our dream is cancer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. I well, mean, our dream okay. is, I mean, not cancer, but to to just come alongside people and grab their hand and go, you're not alone in this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because I think that's the scariest thing. Is it is. feeling alone. And knowing where to turn for that hand. Mm-hmm. Where's that hand at? Because my care team, as much as they cared about me and and protected me and did the best for me, they didn't give me the daily skills that I needed. And honestly, and I know that there are health systems that offer things like nurse navigators and um, different like care coordinators. Absolutely. Use them, use them, use them. I did not. They are there for you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And oncology is actually a really rare space Mm -hmm. where you have that additional support. I mean, they have financial counselors to help you afford your medications. Yes. They have... I mean, we have clients that their nurse navigators have. They reach out to us for transportation. They reach out to us for therapy. The nurse navigators are who usually reach out to us. That's who Julia is dealing with on a daily basis on email is the nurse navigators saying, hey, we have someone who needs this. What do you got for us? And we handle it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's... It's just so crazy that someone could get this life-altering diagnosis and just be... thrown into the wild literally the wild like sink or swim yes and then you go home and you or you tell someone something right and you're gonna get a variety of responses from a variety of people totally and not everybody has the same heart right or the same intention exactly and someone might say something absolutely not meaning to be hurtful but not realizing how what they're saying oh is my callous. we will get into that on another <laughs> podcast for sure because we will have a podcast on what not to say and what to say oh, yes. <laughs> during someone's cancer journey and it's hard please for people don't tell though. your family members that it is a government conspiracy no, and <laughs> that they should not take the chemotherapy no please don't please just stop. <laughs> Let's keep that to a minute. And actually, yes. to segue from that, um, do you want to talk about? Um, we did touch on a little bit of why treatment was so hard. Why? Yeah. The end, why the end of treatment was so oh, hard? Oh yes. Um, what? Um, what else? What? What is something that um, people might say or do that um, you know hmm. that maybe shouldn't be said or done <laughs> while someone's going through treatment? Or what is just something that people don't know about? So. It's a funny thing that you're asking me that now, because as the no longer cancer patient, I still find myself having a hard time finding the right things to say. So I've been there. I've been through it. I've have been the cancer patient. I know what people said that pissed me off. I know what people said that did the great thing, but I still struggle to find the right thing to say. I definitely think um, don't make it so general. What can I do for you? Say, hey, you have chemo on Thursday. Can I pick you up and take you instead of what can I do? Because 
that's the easy. I, I asked that question today and I am trying to break my habits, but I, I asked that question today and I know that that's not the right question to ask because because you're put, you're asking them, how mm-hmm. can I help you? But then by asking that, you are giving them work to do Yes, because they have to find a job for you. Yes. Whereas if you could take that burden off of them and say, can I take this off of your plate? Absolutely. That's going to be more well-received yes. than... Colette asked if she can help. I don't know. Let me think. Let right. me think of something that let she, me think of what yeah. she could do for me. Decision yeah. fatigue is a real thing Absolutely. when you're going through something traumatic. Absolutely. Can you talk about chemo brain? Oh my gosh! Yes. <laughs> and with chemo brain, you. I mean, chemo brain is. I'm sure different for everyone, but you literally just. You know the whole walk into the room, forget what I walked in there for and whatever. It's that times a hundred. And so you can be talking and know exactly what you're talking about and being very educated on the subject and completely lose every word that you've ever known. And it's just, it's chemo brain, it's chemo fog, it's chemo fatigue, whatever you want to call it. It's real. It's true. I live with it. My poor kids know. (laughs) And they know. They know. I tell them, hey, you're probably going to have to remind me of this yeah, because blah, blah, blah. But my kids have all adapted. They've all, I mean, my little ones were tiny, so they just know they have to remind mom. My big ones know. Like, hey, you know, just probably need to remind mom about this. But chemo brain is real. Absolutely. Well, and then Julia, from your perspective, as someone who was helping your mom through this journey... What was one of the things that you felt really helpful to help you support her? I mean, besides the baby. <laughs> right. The, the, baby <laughs> the baby was a huge was a help for us. I think she was kind of a bonding thing mm-hmm. for your whole family. Absolutely. I think so it really we um they had to come together and take care of her because I didn't. So when you shared your story with me, it really, because you were so honest and open with me right. when you were sharing, could have been because we were at the pool all day. Don't know. <laughs> Don't know if that had anything to do with it. Could have been. Um, <laughs> but what you told me, it it shook me to my core because I had never thought of, I just, I don't have children, so I had never been in that position. And so I want you to, I mean, if you wouldn't mind sharing with our listeners, um, your story because, and I think you know what I'm talking yeah, about, I the do. part of your story <laughs> um, that just, that changed the way that I look at cancer and um, people who are diagnosed with cancer. Right. So we had talked about how I had just had my baby and she was only two months old. I, I have five amazing children and momming has been probably the I want to say easiest yet yet hard job, but I felt like I was really good at it. And you are. I've oh thank you. <laughs> um, I love being a mom. But when I had that baby and I was diagnosed with cancer, it shook me to my core in the sense that I didn't know how to mom while going through treatment. And one thing we hadn't talked about yet was my husband's mother-in-law moved in. She moved in and she lived. Your husband's mom. Yeah. What did I say? Your husband's mother-in-law. That'd be your mom. (laughs) (laughs) Which your mom did come, my grandma. My mom did. She did come (laughs) for a bit. But one of the things we hadn't really discussed was my mother-in-law moved in. My husband's mother just, she had been here and she was visiting and then she went back to Kansas. And I got diagnosed and she called me and she said, just tell me what you need. 
And we said, we need you to come back. I have a two-month-old baby and I don't know what to do. And she literally came back right away and she started parenting my baby for me. She took her, I mean, my baby slept with her grandma in the spare room in a crib for almost a year. And so it really took that um, waking up with your baby in the middle of the night, breastfeeding your baby, doing all those things. It took it away from me. Not that she did. Cancer did. Right. She came in and helped me where I needed. And I can't even tell you in words. I can't even find the right words to describe my gratitude for her, but my also dealing with not connecting with my baby. But in your defense, you did that out of love for your baby yes. because you didn't think you were going to be around. Right. You were right. Wor- you were worried you weren't going to be around and right. you wanted her to bond with someone with a mother figure that was going to be here. Right. And it was crazy because it was out of necessity that I needed the physical help. I needed someone to help me wake up with the baby and help me do all the things. And the twins were here and doing all that as well. But they had school. They they were children at the time, even though they were 19. 19. Yeah. We were, and, it was our first year in college. Right. And, um, but we it, were working. And- right. And it wasn't – I couldn't – have them take on the parenting a baby role as much as they helped me already. And then they did amazing with her. I needed a stable other parent here where my husband was working all the time. And I was here, but I was sick. I couldn't hold my baby. I was exhausted. I was, you know, just really struggling. And I felt like I wasn't connecting with her. And that was really, really hard. So what, what changed that? When when did that connection come in? That connection came in after I went to my cancer care support group and I was crying to them one day and I was telling them, I said, I just don't feel that connection. I love this little human being like nobody's business, but I'm not doing the things. I'm not breastfeeding her. I'm not waking up with her at night. She's in my house, but she was downstairs with my mother-in-law and It was really heartbreaking because I just really felt like I just wasn't having that connection. So I told them about that. And the leader of the group looked at me and she said, go home and hug your baby, cradle your baby and connect them with that baby. That is your job now. And I was like, okay, okay, I will. I'm getting like choked up. (laughs) Uh. And let's remind, you know, everyone too, that it's that 48 hour period after treatment that is super important that, I mean, you didn't want to touch us. Mm -mm. You slept on the couch on a sheet and you didn't, I mean, you didn't even want our dog to sleep with you, even though he did. He did. Um, You physically couldn't. um, They wouldn't let you breastfeed, hold her, sleep with her. Right. Um, So it wasn't your choice either. Right. It wasn't my choice. And that was the thing too, is it was taken from me and I wasn't having this child to then have her taken from me in the sense that I can't be that mom that I was. So going back and listening to what my support group leader was saying, I I took it to heart. I really came home and kind of did my homework, like in between not feeling well or the 48 hours where I couldn't hold the baby. I really worked on rebuilding my relationship that I hadn't really got to even start with her. I mean, I did because you have that natural that natural bond when you're having the baby. But um I had to really go back and 
and work on it and really not just let my mother-in-law take care of the baby because she was. She was totally doing it and happy to do it, but I had to involve myself more even when I didn't feel good and ensure I was there for all those little milestones. Good. Yeah. So what did that look like? It actually was, it was hard, but it was good because my mother-in-law is very, she does not overstep ever. She is very cognizant of what she's doing and how it might make me feel or my husband feel. And so she was always sharing things with me. And she would be in one room with the baby and I'd be in another and she'd be like, hola, come here, you know, and we'd go in there and play and see whatever she was doing, whether it was her crawling or taking her first step or whatever it was. And it became a bonding. Me and my mother-in-law have a bond now that I don't think anyone could ever touch because that woman came and saved me. She really did. I'm so glad you had her. Me too. It was, I always knew I had the best in-laws, but when that time frame came, I could they not. They proved it. They beyond proved it. Oh, I love yeah. that so much. Yeah. I'm so it's glad they were so there awesome. for you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Well, because we got you back too. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I think she, with her supporting you and giving you the everything that you needed, yeah, we we got you back. Right. It helped me mentally, especially if I wasn't able to build that bond back with my baby. I would have been a mess still today. Yeah. And so she helped she helped me get through all that and it was an every single day, 24 hour a day thing. She never left us. She stayed here until we were done, done, done. And I don't know that I could have made it without her. Like I said, I'm I'm just really glad you had her. Thank you. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard that um, recently discovered fact um, that when you get pregnant, mm-hmm. um, whether or not you have a miscarriage or um, carried a full term, mm-hmm. that you're constantly swapping cells with your baby? Right. And long after you've had your baby or miscarried, you still have some of their cells oh. in your body. And they do, they have proven to um, fight infections and fight really Um, yeah it's wow um so i think you know everyone talks about you know the the motherly bond right that you know it's so biological to have with your children but it really is down to a cellular level that's they're part of you and you're part of them and we do give charlie a lot of credit for we do um, you know saving my life being the angel (laughs) in so many ways in so many ways so many ways and i heard that and i thought about that and i was like wow i mean she really was still helping you. She was. And a part of you she throughout was. your journey. Throughout my journey, she was still a part of me. Exactly. It's just, it's crazy. And she definitely, we refer to her as our angel baby all the time. Just because, you know, my cancer was different. And it wasn't what we expected. And it had it not been for her, we probably wouldn't have found it in time. Yeah. And you guys have a great bond to We do. I mean, she I just to leave your bed. She, she still does. sleeps in bed with you. <laughs> she does. And I literally just told her this morning, I walked by and she's standing there looking crazy, being funny. And I said, do you know you're my best friend? And she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so we were able to build back that connection. Good. As, as well as with my other girls. The little girls, they were old enough to understand much more than Charlie. The twins obviously knew exactly what was going on, but it helped me be able to become the full parent again. Good. Yeah. Thank God. They all got we they all got you back. Yeah. Honestly, I remember Jen. Um yeah. she came over and brought 
meals all the time. All the time. All the time. And it was always well, something very healthy, healthy very superfoods, <laughs> um, super antioxidants. She's one of my best friends and she is a nut about antioxidant, cancer fighting things. She would show up on my doorstep and just shove a thing of Brussels sprouts and garlic in my face and say, these are the number one cancer fighters, eat them. And we would eat them because she said so. But yeah, absolutely. I think dinners. But dinners. So do you know who started that meal train for us? Was it someone from work? No, it was cousin Kristen. Yeah. Of course she So my cousin Kristen started a meal train for us. And once she put out that meal train, we did not worry about meals for probably six months. It was literally, we had someone bringing us meals every Monday Mm -hmm. and then signing up all through the rest of the weeks and bringing us food. So, I mean, those are huge things to help people. So even if you don't need the support of us as ways, you can take this to one of your own people and say, hey, let me set up a meal train for you. And even if it's not a meal or right. a meal train. I mean, DoorDash gift yes, cards. Absolutely. Yes. Um, With this day and age, absolutely. Yeah. Grocery store gift cards, Instacart. I absolutely. Mean, in today's technology or with today's technology, there are so many ways that you can show support mm-hmm. and be present with yes. just, I mean, if you live far away or if your schedule is hectic because everybody is busy and has hec- have hectic schedules, you can still just show support. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So there's just so many ways you can be there for others. There's so many things you can and can't say to others that will definitely, like I said, we'll get into deeper. Maybe can and can't, but maybe shouldn't, shouldn't. Shouldn't, shouldn't. There, there we go. go. There we go. Better. Much better. Shouldn't, shouldn't. Um, And there's definitely, we'll get into those on other episodes because that is a huge, I actually thought about that a lot last night since we were waiting for our first podcasting day today, <laughs> um, up all night last night, couldn't sleep. And I was like, wow, there's all these things that we can't miss, but we have a lot of time to talk about them. You do. Absolutely. So before we close out, um, would you just mind sharing with us, how did your journey change you? Wow. So it's still changing me as we speak, but I... Man, that's a big question because I have changed greatly. And I don't think it's any one thing in particular, but I'm calmer. I'm more patient. I might have some insight on that as well. <laughs> I was going to say, Julia, give me some insight. So from a um, uh, a perspective of an older child who mm-hmm. has much younger siblings, mm-hmm. um, you're a completely different parent. Absolutely. In a very good way. Absolutely. Um, I had you know, a great mom growing up. Yeah. Um, but I was young and impatient. As an, <laughs> I think as an adult and and seeing the being able to see the change in you from before cancer to after and being an adult, I think the way I see it is some before cancer, I think it was more you were someone that couldn't address your trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. And oh, I think gosh. I think after I think cancer made you do that. Cancer made me do that. And I think having to deal with trauma from before cancer, dealing with trauma from going through treatment, um, I think you came out a person who is much more accepting of yourself and, yeah. and much more, you're consistently working on bettering yourself. You know, now that you say that too, I have to say, it's definitely something where, I don't know, it, 
I'm older now too. So it could be age. (laughs) But I feel like between age and cancer, I've definitely been able to loosen up on myself, admit when I'm wrong, apologize when I need to, and just listen. And I I was bad about that before. (laughs) It kind of sounds like you almost let go of your ego. Yeah. I was going to say, there was a lot, I think, that you let go. Absolutely. A lot that I think was heavy that you let go of. And now I just... so much of that is survival that you have to like, I have to be this person. I have to hold this together. This is who I am. This is how I operate. Right. And then when you have something that takes down those shields Mm -hmm. and breaks you down. Right. Why would you want to rebuild with those shields? Exactly. Exactly. It's so heavy. Yeah. And when you're able to like let it go and rebuild, why bring that heaviness? Right. And that's a really good way of putting it too, is is it, it was almost it um it sort of shed a lot of out of layer or yeah. outer layers that I think you, kind of got let me get to my core. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think you I think it made you look at yourself as your rawest mm-hmm. form. Mm-hmm. And now I can admit when I messed up or I'm not doing well or I need to apologize or, or I, I need help with this. Or I need yeah. help. That's a big one. I need yeah. help with something because I could not ask for help before. And it's still hard. It's very hard to ask for help, but I'm working on it. <laughs> and that's even one of the ways like you asking for help is one of the ways that's even inspired me to oh. ask for help. Oh, I love that. Um, I had to ask you for help. I'm like, Mia, come be with me. <laughs> well, I mean, even just... There have just been so many times in our friendship when you have just said something so profound to me that's just stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And prior to your cancer journey, like, yes, we we knew of each other because, I mean, I know Colette. I mean, her cousin is one of my best friends and we have the kind of friendship. I mean. We're a family. We're a family. <laughs> I would say we're a family for we're a sure. Family. Like we vacation together. We, yes. we do things together. And prior to your cancer diagnosis, like we didn't have that connection. No, you're right. You're right. And I feel like I've opened up a lot yeah. more since my cancer journey too. Like you, to... you were Crystal's cousin. Right. And now I'm your friend. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. I'm your family. You're my family. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Can I ask, um, did you find any healing um, in external sources? And by that, I mean, um, did you find any tools or outlets that really helped you yes. during your Meaning, journey? Um, non-medical. 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 So non-medical, obviously, I am a huge proponent of listen to your doctors. Do what your doctors say. Ask the questions. Be your own advocate. But I also love to delve into the natural and the homeopathic and all of that. So I will do the doctor's things with also looking at some of the spiritual sides, the natural sides, and crystals are a huge, huge, huge thing of mine. Julia is our 
on-site crystal guru, <laughs> our witchy witchness. She's I mean, our at all this things. point. You have more crystals than I do. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, crystals, oils, meditation, sound baths. Do you want to go into a little bit? We don't have to about yeah. CBD and THC oil. THC, C- CBD. I'm a huge proponent for it. Um, quick list. Uh, quick disclaimer: We are not medical professionals um, in the sense that we are giving medical advice. We are real, real people with real stories. Yes. Also, we are located in California. California, where cannabis is, is legal. legal. <laughs> Thank you so, for clarifying that. And at the time, actually, when I was going through my cancer journey, it was only medically legal. So right. I have to tell the story about <laughs> getting my first medical marijuana ID card. I um, fill out the paperwork. I go online. I fill out the thing. And it's some doctor in L.A. who is just going to Zoom with me and, you know, be like, yeah, yeah, your sleep or your anxiety or whatever. You can have it. And I'm sitting there. Ball is bald as a new baby and so i'm sitting there and he's he answers the zoom but he's looking down and he's writing and he goes like so you have anxiety you have and he looks up and he goes oh and i said no i have cancer and he goes yep here's your prescription (laughs) (laughs) and when he saw my bald face staring back at him he was just like Oh, you're real. Oh, you really, you're an actual cancer patient. I'm like, yes, the anxiety is from cancer. Can you please prescribe me some tea? Nausea, insomnia. So I got my first medical marijuana um, ID card during cancer. And I was still very, very new to it. I mean, who didn't dabble when they were a kid? But when as an adult. You mean teenager slash young adult? Yes, yes, yes. yes. (laughs) That kid. Absolutely. Sorry for shaming you. Your your story, your swear I was a teenager, young adult. (laughs) But I definitely, you know, got into medical. Everyone, everyone and their brother came out with, hey, do you need something? I know someone. And I just cracked me up. All the the people who came out of the word work saying, hey, and I was like, wow, I actually have medical marijuana card. I could get it myself. But yes, so um, THC, I think was fantastic, is still fantastic. What were the benefits that you noticed? Definitely with sleep, anxiety, and nausea. So that was the biggest thing. Now, my take on CBD, I think everybody should be taking CBD. I think CBD is amazing. It does need to, from what I have been told, (laughs) I'm not a professional, but from what I've been told, it does need to be driven with a little THC. So like a milligram of THC to your CBD. So I... So I used to have to give my dog CBD cookies. Yeah. And his trainer said that when I got the bag, she goes, so there's a little bit of THC in it, but that's just for the binding. And I was like... Can we get more? more. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and so that was us. So with the CBD, I only used the one that had just a tiny bit of THC to drive it. So you never really felt the THC. But CBD is a huge cancer fighter. I I believe in it. I so What um, brands do you recommend? Because I know that the... Or do you have any brands that you recommend? Because the 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 market can be so saturated, and like a lot of supplements, where there is not any type of FDA mm-hmm. regulation monitoring. How do you know so, what you're getting is what you get? One of my favorites is from another podcast that Julia oh, knows. Yes, Higher Love Wellness. Okay, their CBD is amazing, okay. and it actually is um, legal nationwide because they don't have the THC factor in it. It, it does still, CBD has so many other great um, qualities that, you know, it's a free radical fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, 
however, um, they do ship nationwide. So they it, do. So it does not have THC right. in it. Um, you but... can add your own little THC to it if you'd like. Yes. <laughs> but I actually, they have a CBD Terp pen. That is fantastic. And I had the worst back and neck pain one day and I could not, the nothing was taking care of it. Aleve, Motrin, Tylenol. And I went up and I used that Terp pen and my entire body just went, oh, thank you. And it was just fantastic. I can't remember the name of one of the brands that we tried, but I do remember it was an oil and it it burned. It was I was gonna say I know the alcohol. name and I won't say it. I won't say it out loud because it, yeah. it's horrible. But be be very really careful, careful yes. with the brands you do use. your research. Do your research and be sure that you're getting something nice and pure and clean without and if it. you can um get it made in the United States. Yeah. yeah. Anything produced in China or India does not have the same regulatory guidelines. Oh, very nice to know. And okay. um and some American manufacturers will go overseas to try to source products cheaper oh. and they're not necessarily getting right. what they say. Okay. So good to know. That's another thing that when you're buying supplements and things yeah. that you need to be aware of. And I tend to stay local. I, I, like, stay local. I like a lot of California mm-hmm. products. We, we have a mm-hmm. big, very big um, we have a cannabis very industry up big here. Cannabis industry. Um, so I, I do trust a yeah. lot of the local California Absolutely. products. Absolutely. And this is not promoting smoking THC. No, you use smoking, a lot of tinctures. Tinctures yeah. are great. Edibles are great. Mm-hmm. Smoking is your choice. <laughs> it is not. It comes the, with its own risk. It comes with its own risk and con, you know, consequences. Uh, consequences. Yeah. So, yeah. How do you look at diet differently now? Do you Did you make any long-term changes to... Long-term changes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there was many short-term changes. Many, many out of control. Just, uh, ugh. I think all I remember are blueberries, garlic, and Brussels sprouts. Yeah. <laughs> and plant-based. Plant-based everything. Plant-based. I would literally go to every store in the darn city to try and find anything plant-based plant-based meats plant-based anything i was terrified and when you come out of cancer there's a lot of times that you're you're shown to be afraid of all these things and so you don't quite know where to go so kaiser roseville has an amazing after care program for cancer patients and they do talk about a vegan vegetarian diet i am not on a vegan ver- vegetarian diet. I am a meat eater, um, but I stay clean. So do I go off of non-clean? Absolutely. But for the majority of this five years, six years, I have we've eaten clean. We've done Whole30. We used to do Whole30 every six months. Um, we were supposed to start it last Monday and we didn't. <laughs> we It's a lot. It's a lot, you guys. But um, we definitely, we eat clean. We watch what we're eating. We keep our ingredients to natural, you know, clean ingredients. As my doctor says, just eat real foods. Real food. Real food. Mm-hmm. Real foods. Mm-hmm. And if you slip up and have some Cheetos, so that's, okay. that's fine. Yeah. But just keep the bulk of what you're eating clean. You know, what's funny is I've kind of removed from my vocabulary is... I don't eat that. Right. Or I can't eat that. Right. Or it's not on my diet. To I just don't I want to eat, eat that right now. I can eat whatever I want. I can eat anything I want. I'm it's choosing. how much of it mm-hmm. am I going to choose to eat. Exactly. And if it even sounds good. Right. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I like to look at food, too, of like... um 
I don't know if this is a very healthy way to look at it, but I try to look at food as like, okay, what is this? How is this going to serve me? If, I, yes. if I put this in my body, yes, will this serve me? And that's how Tay looks at food. He's very much like, it's energy, it's fuel. He literally will eat almost anything. <laughs> Even if it's not good, I'll make a terrible dinner. And he's like, it's fine. It's food, whatever. I have to live. So he'll eat it. That's not actually really healthy perspective food <laughs> and to have really, on food. And it really is. He's just like, I'm not looking for the all the flavors and the things and whatever. He appreciates it when he gets it. But he's like, food is, fu- food is fuel. Mm-hmm. And I'll eat what we have. But he'd rather it just be clean and healthy and whatever. And he's just like, I don't need all this extra junk. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's great that you have a partner that is yeah. um that is aligned with you in that. Exactly. Yeah. He's great. That's yeah. a big part. That's that's huge. Yeah. Um, so kind of one of the I mean, this is kind of a dark topic, but I feel like when you hear the word cancer, it's mm-hmm. kind of what comes to everybody's mind. Mm-hmm. So let's just let's rip the band-aid off. Yeah, let's do it. Um, how's your view of death changed? So I'm not I'm afraid of it, but I'm not as afraid of it. Um, Afraid of it as in leaving this world that I'm involved in right now. But inside, I'm more at peace with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to live the best days and moments that I have while I'm here because I want to live these days out happy and positive and showing my girls and my husband that life is good. Let's just have fun. Let's enjoy because that clock is t- ticking down for all of us. Okay. And that's mm-hmm. an icky situation to talk about, but it's all, it's real and it's relative and it's, you know, but I just, I still fear it a little bit. Do you have days where it's worse than others? Not anymore. Not anymore. I did. Uh, I can say up until last year. I can say this is probably the first year. When you went to therapy? Yes. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) I mean, let's be real here. (laughs) Literally, in the last year since therapy, I am less afraid of it. Less afraid. I'm more at peace. Um, And I just look at it as it's something that's going to happen to all of us. And as as in fear as I spent so much of my time, I refuse to do that anymore. Good for you. Yeah. Good Thanks. for you. And I think a good way to um to look at it for everyone is um death can't it can happen at any time. Absolutely. It and doesn't the, have to be the word we are not promised tomorrow. Absolutely. The word cancer doesn't necessarily mean now is your time. And yeah, I think just just knowing that if you are living to your happiest, fullest potential, and you have given back, and mm-hmm. you have positively influenced those around you, right. around you, which you have done tremendously. Thank you um, for so many people. Um, I think that I think that brings a lot of peace yeah. to a lot of people. It is just knowing that you're leaving to the world it, a little better than you left. It, it brings peace to me feeling the the less pressure and fear of death and finality it's i don't feel that so much anymore i'm just kind of more in the moment and i definitely was not always in the moment prior 
Thank you so much, Colette, for sharing your story with us today and for creating a platform where cancer survivors can share their stories as well. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to my story today. Of course. And until next time, I'm Leah. And I'm Colette. And And we we are are your support. support. And thank thank you you for talking cancer. cancer. 